1: Plan savings with three lines of T Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
2: 971 FM Talk Podcast. The owners of this country know the truth. It's called the American Dream because
1: you have to be asleep to believe it.
3: I'll lead an effective strategy to mobilize. I
2: depression.
1: Mark Reardon.
3: So, in the words of my late friend Aretha Franklin, show some R E S P I C T.
1: This is the Mark Reardon Show. All right,
4: I, I think we might need different music here to start this afternoon, just because of everything that's happening in um, in Washington. I'm going to try this here. Let's see if this works.
3: I'll spare no words. They all look like idiots, and that's how they're acting. And let me make something plain about what the future is for House Republicans over the next two years. If they cannot achieve unity, if they cannot act like a team, why are they there? There is no purpose in serving in government if you cannot, at the end of the day, organize yourselves and act like a team. When you have a five vote majority, and this is how you're going to spend the most important vote that you begin with, you are squandering the small majority that you have. See here, we had. Um I think we had round six.
4: Was it round six or round seven? As we start, let's say round seven. All right, that didn't go very well. And then they went to round eight. Right after that, that didn't go very well. Now we are in the uh, the ninth round, and guess what? That's not going to go very well right now. Uh, he he's not going to get there. But I guess they keep trying and trying. And the, the the one thing that no one has been able to explain to me about this, and maybe we'll get it from Congressman John Shimkus. Former Congressman Shimkus is going to join us in a few minutes. Is why did they keep doing this over? And over and over and over again, it's like Groundhog Day. So I I get, and I said yesterday, I'm fine with the process. And, you know, I think a lot of people have said democracy is sometimes messy. I I think that's fine. But why not go back into conference and say, let's see if we have the votes. Okay, we're going to give you this. We're not going to give you this. Let's see if we have the votes. All right, we don't have the votes. Let's do this. We don't have the votes. Why go in front and keep doing this? I keep thinking there has to be an answer to that, but I don't know what it is. Now, yesterday, and uh, I heard from people in Washington that they were being told, Democrats in particular, being told, hey, make sure your members know that they're going to stay through the weekend. So I, I don't think that we're going to have a resolution to this today. But, you know, the one thing that I've tried to do, and I did this yesterday, is sort of dial back on the hyperbole. Ari Fleischer was the uh, person in the open bite there, and yeah, he's frustrated. And I know a lot of people are frustrated, but here, here again— Sue, and I think I mentioned this last night. I had a friend that was kind of, you know, picking on me from all this and just from the political standpoint. Um, and, and he said something about how this was all sad, you know, sad for the country. Well, what's sad for the country? I don't know. I'm confused by that. I mean, if this goes on and on and they can't pass bills, maybe well, maybe we get to the sad for the country. Sad for the country is, you know, what what happened with Ian, or sad for the country is what happened with right. all these people dying from COVID or whatever. This is just democracy, and it's uh, it's a blood sport. Politics is a blood sport. You have a bunch of people in the minority who are unwilling to, to give in. You have most people in the majority saying they're a bunch of kooks and nuts, and I don't know that that's helping anything anymore. I mean, I, I've kind of— leaned a little bit toward Chip Roy in all this because he seems to be someone that's making sense. Um, you know, this is what he said yesterday when he nominated Byron Donald. Today,
3: I'm rising to nominate Byron Donalds for Speaker of the House of Representatives.
4: Now, he was nominated again today and they voted on him. I can't remember if he was nominated again here because a couple other names have been put into nomination.
3: Here's Chip with Brett Bear last night.
2: What exactly do you want? You want what, four out of nine uh, positions on the Rules Committee?
3: Well, I'm not going to give you exact numbers, but I want to be able to have enough members of the Rules Committee that we can block bad bills. All
2: right. So, so that's
4: um that did not sound like Chip Roy, but I'm going to have to assume that that is Chip Roy. Also, uh, our friend Corey Bush is in the news today. Have you heard about her tweet? No. Because well, Mr. Donald is African American, which is one of the reasons I said yesterday. I'd love, I'd love for it to be him, because I think that would make people. On the left, and their heads explode, which is essentially what happened to our lovely congresswoman from here in St. Louis. She said, um, "Wait a second, I'm going to have to ask for an analogy or uh, FWIW. What does that mean? Do you know what FWIW means?" FW that's like, I- she shortened w- something w-
5: there. I- w. I- w- uh, no, sorry. Hold on. Let me go ahead. Oh, you know what? I just I- figured out. For what I- it's worth. Ah, yeah, okay. okay. Right. I'm
4: not very smart I on those things. I
5: just forgot my phone today. Now
4: I'm going to be Those totally are always insane. a little confusing to me. All right. So, for, wait. I don't, I still don't know what, what it means. Whatever. For what uh, it's worth. Yeah, for what it's worth. <laughs> yeah. Brain, brain. I'm here for you. At, thank you. Yeah. At Byron Donald's is not his historic is not a historic candidate for speaker. He is a prop. Despite being black, he supports a policy agenda intent on upholding and perpetuating white supremacy. He's an Uncle Tom, is what she's saying. His name being in the mix is not progress. It's pathetic. And that's what we heard from a lot of people on the left. Here's Byron Donald. I
0: thought it was just blatantly outrageous. Man, that that sucked, man. To be honest with you, man, I'm sorry. I I feel bad that she really put that out there because... You know, if you see a black man rising, I mean, let the man rise, we, even if you don't agree with him. You know, as a black man to a black woman, I would have never done that to her. It's just, it's a shame that she did it to me. Specifically to my policies, I would argue that she should sit down and debate me one on one, and let's do that. You oh, know, good
4: he, lo- I, man. He handled, he handled himself well there. Yeah. Uh, Chris Rufo chimed in right away on that. Chris Ruffo is one of the people that is responsible for putting the you know critical race theory topic front and center in this country and his tweet said your advocacy for defunding the police has led to thousands of additional murders in black communities by the way including here in our own in district, our own district in, and sure. it happens you know all the time all right so we have a bunch of stuff to update people on here this afternoon and maybe we should start with Demar Hamlin so that's good news I want to talk about the NFL just a little bit the doctors held a news conference today and we got some real good news on this Buffalo bill
3: we would like to share that there has
2: been substantial improvement in his condition over the past 24 hours Uh, we had significant concern um, about him after the injury and after the event that happened on the field uh, but he is making substantial progress Uh, as of this morning uh, he is beginning uh, to awaken, uh, and it appears that his neurological uh, condition and function is intact.
4: So that is great news. He went on to update, you know, they they had, um, and I mentioned this yesterday, I, I don't know that they got video, but they did inform him that the charity is over $7 million right now. He asked, Sue, did you hear the question? Obviously the first question is, who won the game? Aww. And Well, the doctors told him, you won the game. You won the game of life, life. essentially.
3: Yeah. As, as everybody knows, Mr. Hamlin suffered a cardiac arrest on the field, and it was promptly recognized by the Buffalo Bills medical staff, and that allowed for a very immediate uh, resuscitation on the field. Um, he was promptly resuscitated. Um, it did require CPR and defibrillation, and at which point he was transported to University of Cincinnati Medical Center where he was met by Dr. By uh, Dr. Pritz and the the trauma team, as well as our emergency medicine uh, colleagues.
4: So he's not really speaking right now. They're communicating through some notes, and then the question becomes: What? How did this happen? What caused
3: it? Uh, The the answer to that is that 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 workup is ongoing, and we do not have definitive answers as to the etiology of the arrest at this time and that tests will continue to be ongoing as he continues to progress.
4: So it's great news that DeMar Hamlin is going to be okay and that the neurological damage is minimized, but let's get to the NFL. And I know that this is a very sensitive topic and everyone's been dancing around to here for three days, but rest assured, ladies and gentlemen, and I think those of you who follow the league and some people are going to have a different opinion, um, let, me, let me give this example. So the LA Times sends something out because the media has to be real careful about this as well and how uh, I guess they're framing this whole story with DeMar Hamlin. So yesterday, I noticed this, that the LA Times sends out this um, this uh, tweet. I got to see if I can quote it directly here. DeMar Hamlin is the NFL's top concern at this point, but a decision on the suspended Bills-Bengals game will reverberate throughout the AFC. No. The number one concern of the NFL is the Super Bowl, the playoffs right now, and what happens with the season. And there's not one serious NFL fan that in the aftermath of this has not been asking themselves for three, four days now... What the hell is going to happen with the rest of the season? And the answer to that question is increasingly becoming they're going to screw it up even more than they have already. So here's what the reporting is right now. And I've I've said this from the beginning. There's no way that this game is going to be played. And I think they've admitted it at this point. You cannot do it logistically. There's no way. I mean, I suppose if you wrap up this weekend, you have a game on Wednesday, and and then you you can't do it. You just simply can't do it. But this is important for people who aren't following this because – What's on the line here is the number one seed in the playoffs. The number one seed in the NFL playoffs doesn't have to play opening weekend. And they have home field throughout. So there's only one bye. Or is there? (laughs) Because now here is what the reporting is. And there's really – I don't think there's a good solution. My, My solution is it is what it is. This was a terrible thing that happened the teams decide. let me address something else here because the NFL took a lot of grief a couple of days ago because the reporting initially was the NFL said play the game and it was the coaches that decided no, we're not going to play the game. That's completely false. That did not happen. The NFL never said play the game. What happened was Joe Burrow Josh Allen, the respective quarterbacks, mm. the team, they went on the field just like any other injury, assuming that the game was going to be played. So the guy is carted off the field, DeMar Hamlin. They're gathered for 19 minutes. It's a terrible scene. At first, you know, we have to remember, we all thought that we saw someone die in front of us on Monday Night Football. So they get to the sidelines. They're starting to warm up a little bit. That's when Joe Buck and others start reporting about this five-minute You know, deal. Well, that's not what happened. What happened is, is they went to this, you know, routine of warming up, and both coaches. That's when you saw, um, what's his name, Zach Taylor, I think, right, the coach from Cincinnati, goes across to Sean McDermott, and McDermott says, "Look, my guys can't play this game." Right. And Zach Taylor says, "I get it. We're not going to play this game." So they decide we're not going to play the game. But, but (laughs) that's fine. But the consequences of that are going to have to be felt by the Bengals and the Bills, and it's just. They made the right decision. I'm not arguing that they should have played the game given the circumstances. But if he gets into the ambulance and there's breathing and all of that, or if there's just a little bit of a thumbs up off the field, the game continues. Let's be honest. It would have continued. In this particular situation, it was unique, so they didn't continue. Um, But here's the reporting right now. So the question then becomes the seating without the Bills and the Bengals. This is on... um, I'd have to think who is reporting this today. I took a screen capture of it. I'll try to give credit here where credit is due in a second. Uh, One possibility, and this is stupid, uh, they're going to add an eighth team possibly to the playoff field and eliminate the bye for the number one seed. So right now, the Kansas City Chiefs are the number one seed in the AFC. Let's say nothing else happens and they don't flip a coin or they don't say this is a tie or we're not doing any other math, then the Chiefs are the number one seed. They get a buy. Well, the NFL is considering, nope, we're not going to do that because that's a disadvantage for the Bills and for the Bengals. In order to have competitive balance, we're going to take that seed away. I'm not saying this is going to happen. This is one of the ideas. I was going to say, And then we're going to have eight teams in the NFC too. So if you add a team to the playoff field in the AFC, you have to add one to the NFC as well. Um, what about, uh, and by the way, the NFL players would have to weigh in on a temporary expansion of the playoff field? There's also, and this is really dumb, okay, making the AFC championship game a neutral site game. That's dumb. They're not going to do that. I don't even know why, why they're is that dangling. dumb. Because it, first of all, the fans, who's going to go to the game? Are they going to pick Miami for the site of the AFC championship game and offer 60,000 tickets and people are supposed to go down to the game? It is not logistically feasible or possible. Whoever brought that up in the room, it's not going anywhere. It's not going to, it's just dumb. Well,
5: I get that why somebody brought it up, though. Now, of course, when you mentioned tickets and all that and the travel, okay. But, uh, you know, it, it seems like good. that way nobody has an advantage. I can see why somebody said it without thinking it thoroughly through. Here's what's
4: going to have to happen, okay? Bottom line. And in, in the NFL is just dancing around this. It's ridiculous that they're so sensitive. I mean, this guy's life is important, but there's a lot on the line here throughout the entire country in the league and you can't just put everything on hold because someone's in the hospital i know i'm insensitive i saw i'm sorry for that i'm always insensitive but to to assume that not everyone in the last three days because according to the media reporting no one's been talking about this for three days right of course they have everyone's been talking about it. it's just not being reported and then you have the idiots on the view could they be even dumber listen to this 45%
5: 45% of Americans think that tack, tackle football is appropriate. Oh. Uh, heterosexual men voted the most support for kids uh, doing football. Mm-hmm. And conservatives were more likely to support youth tackle football. Just saying. It's what? yet another tragic reminder of the inherent violence of the sport and the humanity of the young men who put their
4: health and safety on the line for the NFL's modern-day gladiator spectacle. No, it is not a reminder of that, because this has nothing to do with the violence on the field in the NFL. No. Okay, so this could have happened anywhere. And he did take a brutal hit to the chest. But then there's Joy Behar. Did you hear her? No. What Because white, straight white of dudes course. love the NFL, blah, blah. that there's a problem with that? Clay Travis on Fox earlier today responding to those idiots.
3: This is what was inevitable, right? Football is hyper-masculine. It's violent. It's a meritocracy. Uh, and it is played almost exclusively by men. And so the left wing, of course is going to hate it. And uh, this is part and parcel hmm. of their war, I really believe this, on masculinity in general. And look, Joy Behar, I think, is an imbecile. And I don't know what exact quote uh, here, poll here. that she is attributing that 45% to. But it's not a coincidence that The View has this discussion, MSNBC has this discussion. The Washington Post had an article saying that football was, uh, was too violent. This is crazy. Yeah, it's
5: just shut
4: up, Mark. Joy Behar,
5: right? Of course you're right. I mean, they even had Chris Pronger on a different station this morning saying, hey, this happened to me. He was telling the story. He does not play football. He plays hockey. This happens. It's happened it's in a other rare sports. Occurrence. Thankfully, it's a, rare it's a occurrence, very rare occurrence. But it does happen in other sports. So, Clay, actually, I, I like the way that he kind of linked
4: this.
3: The that, left embraced Colin Kaepernick not because of, uh, of his stance, but because they don't like football. And they liked football being under siege and being attacked. Remember Colin Kaepernick went on and said the NFL draft, uh, he directly compared it in a Netflix documentary to a slave auction because they take your height and weight and measure your talents. The difference, of course, is manifold, but you choose to play in the NFL. And no one is required to put their body at risk, just like you aren't required to box or be involved in a UFC fight or, frankly, compete in any physical endeavor that requires the danger that might arise when bodies come into collision. So look, these guys are highly paid. They understand better than anyone what the risk that they are assuming, and they are doing it very often for a chance at generational wealth. All right. So there you go.
4: We're, um, we're, I think we're on the road to recovery for Demar, which is great news. And hopefully the great. NFL won't be such wimps and they can tell everyone today what's going to happen with the playoffs because the entire league and the fans deserve to know this at this point. I have not touched on the Brian Kohlberger situation. Did you read the affidavit? Uh, well, no, I, I read, read the a whole story affidavit. about it It's interesting because there are a few little nuggets in there we had no idea about and then this thing comes out today about the FBI remember it was the FBI who ordered the two traffic stops in Indiana and then the FBI released a statement that said, nope we didn't do that so there is some confusion we'll oh, get to boy. that a little bit later this afternoon. Paul Morrow is there in Idaho he'll report live at 345. former Congressman Shimkis weighs in on everything in Washington coming up next
0: selling a little <laughs> shopify.com slash Podcast. all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. shopify.com slash Podcast.
1: We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? Over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch.
0: You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.
4: One of the more fascinating dynamics of this week is the uh, the gang at Fox going after the rebels like Hannity last night with goofy, wacky
1: Lauren Boebert. Isn't it time for you to pack it in, and your side to pack it in? Considering he has over 200, and you have 20.
0: Sean, I understand the frustration. I promise you, but I'm frustrated. Um, he does you didn't not have the my votes, question. and we are hearing, we I'm are not, hearing I'm from many frustrated. people who are still voting with Kevin McCarthy, You're who not are very supportive question. of what we're doing. Uh.
4: Testy last night. Kevin
0: McCarthy didn't even want to listen to us until his disappointing midterms. We all want a unified party, but this isn't chaos. I think we're proving that we're open to a menu of options. You're you're proving that 20 people don't want Kevin McCarthy.
4: All right, so there you go. And you've had a lot of that uh, on Fox in the last couple of days. It's been interesting. Former Illinois Congressman John Shimkus, who has not been in the swamp for a few years, but he was in the swamp yesterday. You were there in Washington, right, John, when a lot of this was going on. How are you? Happy New Year.
2: Thank you, Mark. It's Good to be with you. Yes, I I was there. I did a quick overnight and uh, and got back last night on the on the Southwest flight, which, which worked. So that was great. So what? Yeah, the congratulations
4: on that. The one. Well, let me just start with some of the basics here. And we're on the ninth ballot right now. He's going to lose this one as well, if it hasn't happened already. Maybe they've wrapped that up. I've been kind of trying to pay attention. Why, in your opinion? does McCarthy keep going at this when essentially we know or he knows he doesn't have the votes? What's the point of just going over and over and not going into conference and saying, okay, can we count the votes now? All right, let's give this. Can we count the votes now? Doesn't that seem odd, John? But you know this system better than me, so what's going on?
2: Well, so the the vast majority of Republicans placed Kevin McCarthy's nomination in. I mean, it's, it's... you know, what, 200 to 200 to 20 or whatever. Right. So I, part of it is the, not just Kevin, but a lot of his supporters. And there's some people who are supporting him that aren't his closest buddy. Right. Sure. But this is kind of what the team decided. And they don't want to get extorted by a small group. And, you know, they don't want to get rolled by 20 members out of you know over two hundred, and I think that's part. But but there is, you know, people are now talking about well, how do we get out of this? Yeah, right. Know? Well, the, those, okay, reasons. there
4: there it is. How do we get
2: out of this? Well, I think <laughs> Kevin has to decide that he can have as many votes as he wants. He he can't get the two eighteen, so he he can do one or two things. He could, you know, step down, and hopefully then the Republicans can. Get 218 votes for a consensus candidate, or he could negotiate with the Democrats and do a power-sharing agreement, uh, and that would be maybe hundreds of votes on one party and 100 votes from the other party. Okay. And, well, let me let me stop you right
4: there. Wouldn't that be? Wouldn't then a lot of other Republicans who aren't his, you know, best friends say, "Wait a second, this is not. We're not. We're not doing this. That's crazy."
2: Well, remember there there. Yeah, I mean, you're asking the two options. Those are the two yeah. options. Um, or, or you know, he could talk to uh, Jeffries and say, "Hey, dismiss some of your folks. Tell them they can go home and drop that number." But then, you know, then they'll they'll be negotiating committee ratios, sure. uh, other type of thing. Remember, the Constitution is is a pretty simple document. It says the House has to elect the Speaker. Um, how bills. Come to the floor. The committee process, uh, how members get on committees—that's all designated by the rules package, which doesn't get voted on until you
3: after you have a speaker.
4: So, uh, Congressman Scott Perry and others have made the case that this is not personal. Uh, I simply don't believe that. It, it certainly sounds personal, <laughs> yeah, right? I yeah. mean, come on, well, it it's is
2: absolutely personal, right, John? Yeah, no, I've been saying I, there. There's bad blood. There's been bad blood for a long time. And they are taking out revenge. Yeah, I, I, the, there is bad blood. Not, maybe not all 20, but see, and that's the other issue of the uh, CLF, Congressional Leadership Fund, and Club for Growth, right? Um, so just imagine you're a candidate, you're running in a district, and Kevin McCarthy's PAC uh, supports the other candidates, and then you get elected. Now, and that's happened to a lot of candidates, you know, you make amends with the the organization that was against you and try to work together and move forward. But some keep grudges forever. And, and so that's where this this other soft money CLF club for growth debate is, because probably if you look real closely, some of these folks had money spent against them by uh, Kevin McCarthy and his political arm.
4: What would be so wrong with coming up with a new consensus candidate and, and you know, giving someone else a shot here at, at leadership? And I don't know anything about Byron Donalds. Um, you know, I know Jim Jordan seemingly wants judiciary. That's a pretty powerful position. That, that's what he's gunning for. So is there – and the other thing that I think people have said, including me, if Steve Scalise is that guy, John, and you know Steve very well, well, he's not going to really operate that office very differently than Kevin McCarthy, Right.
2: Well, I'm biased, so I'm a Steve Police fan. So um, I don't think Steve has an enemy, right? Uh, now, when you get him to a leadership position, you you create enemies. And remember, he has. He's been a whip. He's now elected leader. I think another calculation is who wants to be who wants to be this, right? I mean, look at the history it's of our Republicans. Job. Well, look who's the history in my time. Yeah, you don't end up very Duke well, Gingrich, right? Newt Gingrich got run out. Bob Limston didn't get to gavel. <laughs> he didn't get elected. Then Denny Hastert was yeah, there a long time. But then, well, then, yeah. <laughs> and then you have, again, uh, another good friend of mine. And then you have John Boehner. He gets run out. You get Paul Ryan. He gets run out. Um, you got to be prepared to get run out. Um, and God, that's a terrible. But But... If you get a chance to grab brass ring and, you know, you're in one, of the, you know, second in line to the president of the United States and you love government service, how do you say no? But there are great risks. <laughs> great risk.
4: Do you see outside of these names? I mean, do you, what do you know about Byron Donalds? Or is that just um, a name that they're tossing out there because, you know, I don't know. I don't know anything about it. Is, is he capable of being speaker, in other words?
2: Yeah, I, I don't even know his resume or his background. I mean, he's a, he's a second-termer. Um, you know, he switched his vote. Uh, that's all I know. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, a lot of these guys come out of the state legislatures. But they may have some. Um, uh, Daniel Webster from Florida was a speaker candidate in one of the cycles. He was a speaker of the, of the Florida House. I don't know if uh, Donald has that background or not. I just think he's a name. I don't right. He's very junior. I can't see a very junior person being this. It it will have to be someone who's probably been around 10 or more years. John, what's your understanding of what, because this is
4: something in in some of this reporting, I don't even know if I believe it, because we see reports all the time, including with the situation with um, this murder from Idaho and even in the NFL situation that are just not accurate. So I keep hearing these reports of some of the deals that McCarthy is allegedly
2: cutting, which seem
4: to be way too generous. But what do you know about that? Yeah.
2: I read some of those too, and I uh, he could cut a deal, but he can't implement it. I mean, if you're the chairman of the House Armed Services Committee, and then you hear that the, the possible uh, new speaker is going to place one of these one of these twenty as chairman of that committee, they're they're going to be a no vote in the floor. I mean, it's just, and and then there's you know the the speaker does have kind of a weighted majority vote in in a, in a room with a committee that's called the steering committee. I was on it for many years. And it's the steering committee that recommends to the conference of who goes on these committees and who becomes chairman. So uh, it, it, just because he's promising that doesn't mean he's going to deliver. Most of the people in that steering committee room are not part of this group of 20. I mean, there's going to be obviously a lot of anger at him. How does they fulfill that yeah.
4: uh, to me, it sounds that, like he's gonna have to come up with an exit path after after nine votes because you you just have he can only there can only be what four votes against him right it seems like there's right. five that aren't moving at least. I, I, that's kind of my
2: analysis for <laughs> day one. Almost. Right, right.
4: Well, and that that kind of <laughs> brings yeah. us full circle with my question at the beginning, which is why why keep doing this over and over? That's what's kind of mysterious. John Shimkus, I appreciate did, it. Are you on Donnie Brooks this weekend? Is that what I heard?
2: I, I am going over there to to film or tape or whatever uh, this evening. Yes, sir. We
4: look forward to that. Tell Charlie high. Thank you, <laughs> John. Appreciate it. Former Congressman <laughs> right, John Shimpkes okay. with us this afternoon. Paul Morrow is in Idaho. He just arrived and he'll have the latest on the affidavit that was released today. Count two alleges that you committed the felony offense of murder in the first degree. It alleges that the defendant Ryan C. Koberger, on or about November of 13, 2022, in Lake Tau County, State of Idaho, did willfully, unlawfully, deliberately, with premeditation and with malice aforethought. Kill and murder Madison Mogan. The charges were being read by that judge as Koberger was back in Idaho and the affidavit was finally released. And Paul Morrow is actually headed there right now. I think he just landed um, a short time ago, retired NYPD inspector, founder of the Paul, how are you this afternoon? Thank you so much for checking in with us.
1: No, of course. Thank you for having me.
4: So the the one thing that jumps out, there are probably a fair amount of people listening right now that don't know anything about this habit, David, but you know, I want you to describe some of the the things that we, we learned. But the one about the roommate actually seeing the murderer is real interesting, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it really is. Now, you know, I've had some uh, pretty good sourcing out here, and I'd heard that about a week ago. I heard a slightly different version of it. Um, a couple things do jump out. First of all, right in the affidavit it says that her bedroom is on the first floor and that has been reported all along here yet for some reason she was asleep on the second floor according to the affidavit at one point she hears some noise she comes out of her bedroom she opens the door and she sees a male who fits the description of the accused about six foot with bushy eyebrows fit but not muscular with a mask on walking towards her down the hallway comes past her, apparently, and goes out the back door. Um, You'd have to believe he's covered in blood at that point, Um, maybe carrying a knife. I don't know. That's not in the affidavit. Um, She's described as being frozen in shock, which is quite understandable. But I think what you're alluding to, and that is less understandable, is that a phone call to the police, a 911 call, isn't made for another almost eight hours. So, So how do you explain that? Yeah. Uh, you know, I wish I could. It's yeah. really a conundrum. I mean, it, it's it's completely speculative. I don't want uh, it, to. It does explain one thing, I think, which is one of the reasons this has got to be probably the primary reason that the police have been very, very protective of the two surviving girls. Um, you know, they, they have they don't even name them in the affidavit, right. even though everybody knows who they are. And um, they've they've really held, uh, you know, they haven't been uh, there's been no public access to them, et cetera. When I found out that one of the girls had actually seen the, the scene and seen him leave, I, th- I thought to myself, okay, well, there's the reason that they're protecting her. She's a very important witness. But what I had not foreseen is that she saw him under circumstances that would certainly indicate that he was there for bad purposes. I figured she saw a male leaving the house. And just thought it was right, like another right. guy who was hanging out in the house because it was kind of a party house. So Paul, one thing that was confusing well, to say, I don't even I, have a theory.
4: Do you do you did your reading of that affidavit indicate that he also saw her, or is that still right. a question, Mark? I was unclear on that.
1: Still in question, I will tell you this, Mark. The same source that's been uh you know, I've had a couple out here. I've had, you know, some are better than others. So one that's been quite reliable has been accurate as to what we just talked about and also the fact that, uh, you know, the case was coming down. I got a pretty good heads up. at a few days before it came down. I was told, uh, you know, look for it to be coming in. And what that person uh, told me was that she uh, – hang on a second.
4: That's all right. Paul's driving right uh, now, uh, so we want to make sure he's uh, safe. Yeah, I'm sorry. That
1: we're We're going that's in. Right. Sorry, can you repeat that question? What, what was it again, Mark? I'm sorry. Just, uh, just. I don't even know what the question well, was. Well, the Soon
5: question was, uh, she saw the attacker. Did he see her and just continue uh, to walk out and uh, just leave oh, her yeah, there? yeah. You were making a point about
4: one of the sources and what they had told you.
1: Yeah, right. So um, the, the source had told me that um, you know she had seen him and that you know that they were going off of that. The affidavit affidavit does not make it clear, but this is the point I was going to make. But what the source did tell me was that the reason they believe that he passed by the two survivors was that he was physically exhausted. Yeah man that's
4: just that makes you sick to your stomach right there but a lot of this that have come together explain what what the affidavit said about you know tracking him down and, and here's another point of confusion you were on this airplane the FBI released a statement saying they were not responsible for this car being pulled over twice in Indiana the original reporting earlier was hey this car got pulled over on the way to Pennsylvania that seemed odd then it seemed to make sense because they said look uh, the FBI was working with the local police they were trying to get pictures of his hands that was how this was sold this morning but now the FBI says nope we weren't involved there's another point of confusion Paul
1: yeah very strange and you know there is a task force and the thing is constituted so you know uh, you'd like to think that they would speak with one voice here um, I don't know what to make of that um, I have to be honest I was very skeptical that the FBI I know the reporting came out earlier today that the FBI had asked for that to be done here's why it was well over a month after the attacks and the reason that was given that they asked for the car stop was that they wanted to see if he had any cuts on his hands. Um, a month afterwards, to risk having him flee and alert him to the fact that you were onto him, you really lose a lot of leverage. You lose the, uh, the element of surprise, he could destroy evidence, etc. So the, the simple purpose of having a look at his hands, that's really a risk. And you really compound yeah. that risk by doing two uh, contemporaneous car stops. Um, if he was not sure after the first one, if they were on him, if they stopped him again, and it's a different agency, by the way, two different agencies that stopped him. It was a sheriff's office and a different agency. You'd really have to say to yourself, if you're in his shoes, while they're looking at me. So I think I don't know what happened there. I really I really can't say it looks like somebody might have gotten out ahead of their skis a little bit, took it upon themselves to try to contribute to the investigation. And um, not that the FBI is denying that. I think that that seems to be the likeliest uh, scenario.
4: So there was a lot of cell phone tracking. He seemingly, or we know Kohlberger, if he was the killer, turned his cell phone off in the time frame around the killing, which is something you would expect. But they have him pinging around that area, even for a couple of months, maybe stalking someone. But the other thing that was real interesting here as far as police work, Paul, explain the DNA, because it seems like he left DNA on a knife sheath and why a criminology guy and someone who is working on his Ph.D. or whatever is going to leave a knife sheath with DNA is confusing as well. But that's how they matched it up, right?
1: Yeah, it is. And, you know, there's something significant here, which is that in order to match to that uh, evidence that was left at the scene, they had to get uh, DNA from him. So, you know, we've all heard about the genealogical uh, DNA match, which is not in the affidavit. There's a reason for that. The genealogical companies make real—they uh, really front on their websites that their methods are not judiciable. They're not at the evidence standard. Now, you know, you could argue that, but why bother arguing it in court? You can use it as a clue and then do what's called a parallel, as, as law enforcement often does, which is, okay, let's get the same evidence a better way. And so what they did was, apparently, they did what's called a garbage cover. Yeah. And they went out and they pulled some garbage to get the DNA from the garbage to match it to the sheath. And if that's kind of the, uh, the climax of the affidavit. At the end, it says that they did a garbage cover in Pennsylvania, and they got the DNA. But the way it's worded, it's pretty clear to me. It's the DNA of his father. Right, right. And oh, it comes yeah. back 99.999% to his, that it has to be a match. And that's why, if you notice, so this was a reporting out of Pennsylvania, there were three search warrants executed in Pennsylvania on the house, and it was a no knock. Now, why did they do a no knock? Well, first of all, to make sure he didn't try to slug it out with them, but also so he can't destroy evidence, like in, as in, like a computer or something. Right. So right. they want the computer, but what they also had a search warrant for is a swab. And so they undoubtedly, it was in the search warrant. So what they did was they will have taken a swab of inside his cheek. And that's going to be now even better DNA evidence, and that is fully judiciable because it's one-to-one. They're going to match it to what was on that sheet, which apparently came from his handling of the knife sheet.
4: Wow. I mean, this, this is quite the case um, from just absolutely sad as can be, and I'm so happy at least that these families might have some you know, closure eventually here, but there's still so many questions. Paul, I know you have a lot of work to do on the ground, but really, thank you so much for checking in with us here this afternoon.
1: No, of course. Thank you. Appreciate Take
4: care. It. That's Paul Morrow, NYPD former NYPD investigator. I mean, it's it's fascinating though. I mean, we love. Let's face it, we love these stories in this country. And when they get so intriguing like this, where we don't have answers for weeks, I know. I wouldn't. I mean, I couldn't put the affidavit down. I read the whole thing this morning, just trying to figure out what they were after and what they were trying to do here. Did
5: you realize that the uh, people were sleeping on the second floor? That was new to me. That was way. Yeah. So new I, I to did me. not.
4: I didn't. So that. But the whole eight hours. I mean, what? There's there's got to be an explanation for that, but what the hell could it be? I, how do I, you I, how do you see someone unless she's just so frozen where I,
5: for eight hours? I make, or for yeah, well, right. Because if hours? she
4: sees the guy, what's the natural reaction? What the hell just happened in my apartment? I'm there's blood where I'm going to call the police. Yeah,
5: yeah. For my own protection, even if I'm totally scared, I, I would at
4: least call for me. Even if I, right. you know what so I mean? That that that's the new one for me because even in reading. The whole affidavit, I didn't notice that. And I guess you'd have to know where, where her bedroom was compared to where she was sleeping. Well, I guess the, college, the sliding glass students, doors should have been our clue, right? Yeah, but the college student sleeping in a different room, maybe passing. I mean, the one kid, you know, one of the, the girls was ordering food from DoorDash. There was a DoorDash delivery at 4 a.m. This murder, they think, according to the affidavit, they think that the murders took place between 4 and 425. There's not a lot of window there for the DoorDash guy to get out of there. Wow. So... Uh, it's it's intriguing. There is no doubt about that. We'll come back after the top of the hour. Sue's News, um, and also, you know, Greg Rupp's going to be here. There is a great all-in-for-life poker tournament coming up this weekend. That's um, for Kyle McClellan's Charity, which is great. So we'll uh, hook up with that. It's at Machinist Hall in Bridgeton. Some details about that. My friend Linda Garofano, who is a tour guide in Rome, Italy. uh, Pope Benedict's funeral was today. I want to touch base with her on some COVID stuff and tourism. Uh, Jazz Shaw, a little bit later in the show this evening, and an audio cut of the day and more.
2: Get more at 971talk.com.